A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's Football Show with Baker Others. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that on TalkSport 2. Happy New Week, you lovely lot. This is Talk Sports Women's Football Show podcast. I'm Faker Rothers, bringing you loads of exclusive content to get stuck into. Talk Sports Women's Football podcast will be here every week, rounding up the best from the show. But don't forget, you can listen back to the full Women's Football Show via the TalkSport app. This week, we were on on Monday at 10pm, so just swipe for TalkSport 2, find Monday, and you can listen in full then. No WSL football this weekend, but a lot of Women's Nations League action to bring you. I caught up with former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci to discuss England's 1-0 victory over Belgium at King Power Stadium in Leicester. So England returned to winning ways in the Women's Nations League with a heart-fought victory over Belgium. We had live commentary on this one on TalkSport 2 on Friday night. So let's hear how the game unfolded. England have been far from perfect in their Nations League campaign so far. And after defeat on match day two against the Netherlands, is tonight the night that England get back to winning way. The corner taker Willard knocks it high to the box. Van Harbour Martena, brilliant save onto the post by Erbs, and she collects the rebound as well. Well, that's exactly why Mary Erbs is not just England's number one, but arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the entirety of the women's game. Whipped in right-footed by Kelly. Bright header off the post, and the rebound's in from him. And England lead by a goal to nil. Fantastic delivery from Chloe Kelly. Millie Bright from point blank range. Denied by the woodwork. And there was Lauren Hemp. Deflected Russo. Volleys it over the top. How many more chances do England need? Finance urge to shoot. And parried away by Earps. Diving to her left. Plunged away. You can't help but think that this is an accident waiting to happen for England. The final whistle blows. And England have won by a goal to nil. Not necessarily the most convincing performance, but maybe tonight was a night where the result mattered more than anything else. It certainly did. And as we record this on Monday night, Serena Wiegmann's side are level with the Netherlands at the top of their group, but in second place because of an inferior goal difference. You'll remember, of course, they have to finish top in order to qualify for the Olympics on behalf of Team GB. They play Belgium uh, here in Uh, It's not actually in Brussels. It's just outside of Brussels, about half an hour drive outside in uh, Leuven in the Dendrief King Power Stadion. And uh, that is on Tuesday night and you can hear it live and exclusive commentary with Joe Shannon and former Sheffield United women's striker Courtney Sweetman-Kirk from 7.30pm. What did you make of England's performance on Friday though, Jenna? I felt it was a positive performance. I felt it was a performance that they they've needed, you know, since coming back from the World Cup. Um, totally dominated the possession, but 
as the commentary alluded to, just really struggled to kill off the game in the end. And, you know, I thought Belgium had some frets themselves, so it wasn't a comfortable one nil at all. But I thought, you know, dominating the possession, we created a lot of chances, um, but just couldn't convert it. I thought the last pass, the, the shot, the execution just wasn't there. Um, but I thought in terms of in possession, I thought we were a lot better than we have been in recent games. Um, I thought movement um, in front of the ball, I thought out of possession as well, our shape looked a bit better. Um, so there was lots of positives from it, but I think... It wasn't a convincing win again, um, but the three points was all that matters. Um, and they've got to make sure that they put it right now going into tomorrow night's game and be a, a lot more clinical in that final third because you can see the goal difference already could play a part. And at the minute, we're really struggling in front of goal. Yeah, it's going to be vital, isn't it? And I was at the Dendreef Stadion in Leuven earlier on to watch training uh, for Talk Sport. And I spoke to England boss Serena Wiegmann about what improvements she wants to see from Friday night's performance. Well, I liked a lot of things. Uh, first of all, I liked the energy and the aggressiveness we had and the compactness and, and togetherness. Um, so all the intentions we had in the game, I really liked. I think we played well on the ball um, and we wanted to dominate the game. And I think most parts of the game we did. In the final third, uh, we created chances, but we didn't score. And I think at moments we could also create even more chances to get the final pass right or make a better decision or, or, yeah, or being a little better connected. So that's what we want to do better tomorrow. And they had a couple of counterattacks which we want to do better. That's part of the game too, because they are really compact in defense. Of course, they're going to aim for the counterattack. And I think, uh, again, we did a couple of things really well to prevent the counterattack. But of course, they did ha have a couple. And um, I hope we uh, don't give away as many corners as we did um, on Friday, because that's also where they aim for it, because they have a lot of length in the team. Yeah, it, it feels like a very different Belgian side to the one we saw back in back in February. <coughs> but also it feels like we're in kind of transition with England now as well. And because we're used to this free-flowing, exciting, goals-for-fun kind of England, after the World Cup, you know, a few players in and out, tiredness sets in as well, mental and physical. It feels like there's a few rumblings outside of we're not seeing the old Lionesses' performances you know that goals will change that and it's so tight in this group as well. How do you get that confidence that those fine margins are finished and the ball's over the line? Yeah, I think first of all, I didn't see tired fatigue this week i think we got over that stage and the competition started so players got rhythm too so we're back to it of course we have a couple of players back uh that gives the competition in the team uh an extra boost also like um brought some young players in um which do really well too so that gives some freshness and it all begins with quality of course but i think they bring quality um, and yes, it, with the Nations League, it's going to be tight. So you just said Belgium is a different. That was a friendly. They they have at that moment they had a lot of injuries, and they play a little different too. So they they um, they conceded a lot of goals. So they changed their sh their shape a little bit with defensively more compact and deeper on the pitch, and uh, that gives them the opportunity also to go on the counter attack more. But if you give them space, they can play the game too. So they're improving in that, and I can understand they do that because they don't want to concede um, goals as they did before. 
Um, so that makes it hard. And then also as the Nations League, it's tighter. Uh, countries improve. Um, and, and yes, of course, then you get tight um, uh, tight scores. Like It's not like what we had last year, but ahead of a game we knew we were going to win. So it's going to be harder too. But what I really liked about the team, that I did see some rhythm Friday, and we did see some some yeah, some flow in the team. So we want to build, uh, continue building on that. It's really important, isn't it, the the goals? And Serena Wiegmann alluded to it when when we were speaking that that's something she wants them to to work on. They have been work on uh, working on, and it's really vital, Jenna. Yeah, it's hugely important, and I think you know, given the success that this Lioness team have had, I think teams are better prepared against them now, um, and they set up to frustrate them. And I think that's what they obviously came up against against Belgium last week teams just going into that low block just being really hard to break down and it's giving the lionesses an issue an issue and we're struggling to find that killer instinct in the box and I think that is down to the way that teams obviously we saw in the world cup sorry teams are developing around us that the gap is closing there are no easy matches but I think it's as well the way that teams sit up against us to frustrate us and we've got to find a way to break them down and, and get those goals in I think obviously the quick turnaround in game will help us coming into tomorrow's game um and I think the only thing that really was missing was that killer instinct, which I've no doubt they've been working on. Um, and just they have threats of their own. But, you know, when you've got Mary Earps in goal, I think we rely on her so, so much. And she just delivers every time, doesn't she? Um, but you don't want to have to rely on Mary Earps making the save. And, you know, if you get one, two goals early on um, and kill the game off early, then that that worry isn't there. And I think you'll see that confidence and those goals come. Well, actually, midfielder Georgia Stanway spoke to me as well and she says they have been working on being more clinical in training. We've worked a lot on um, crossing, um, going outside to in, in to out, um, just kind of different rotations in order to keep the ball moving, but also in that final third, making sure you're making the best decision. Um, so there's been some moments where we look at the video, we stop it and we go, OK, we could play here, 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 here. Um, and in their moments, it's just up to the individual to make sure that they make the right decision. Um, but yeah, just quality in the final third, the weight of pass, that final pass. Um, and sometimes we might just have to shoot. Yeah, well, I mean, you're pretty good at that from distance, so <laughs> maybe we'll see you. <laughs> well, I mean, did you see Harry Kane's goal from... Yeah, it was oh very, very nice. Fan fancy a bit of that? <laughs> Almost the yeah, halfway line? I would absolutely love that. I would absolutely love that. But yeah, me included, um, my goal drought um, needs to come to an end. Um, so yeah, it's up to me also to make sure that I'm trying to get that ball across the line as much as possible. So that's something that I'll try and do tomorrow. Oh, I mean, that would be some goal if Georgia Stanway manages to do that. I, I might take a tiny bit of credit for it, Jenna, if she does. <laughs> Putting <laughs> it in her head. <laughs> I don't think I can. <laughs> Can't take credit, though, for uh, Savina Wiegmann's decision to switch to a back four. It was a system that worked really well for them en route to winning the Euros. Uh, what did you make of them in that formation, Jenna? Yeah, I think they look a lot more solid in that with the back four in. Um, obviously, they looked slightly vulnerable on the counter-attack, but I think in, with time and getting that back four really nailed down and building those partnerships, I think that will then set the the midfielders and the attackers off to be a bit more free in front of them. Um, I was really impressed with Charles down the left-hand side, of which was probably one of our better players on the night. Um, I think in the WSL, under Emma Hayes, I think she's been probably one of the best players so far. Um, she's getting regular starts now. Um, obviously, she's 
been allowed time to develop in that position, which is one thing that I'm sure we'll speak about later, what Emma Hayes does so well with her young players. But I felt it looked a whole a lot more balanced with Charles on the left-hand side there. And going forward, obviously, she's a, she's a threat. It wasn't just England and Belgium who were in action in the Women's Nations League. At the halfway stage of the tournament, Jenna and I reflected on the League A tables so far and talked about who was likely to make it through to the semis. The results from last week, Netherlands 4, Scotland 0, England 1, Belgium 0. In Group A2, uh, France beat Norway 2 goals to 1 and Austria beat Portugal by the same scoreline. In Group A3, Germany were 5-1 winners over Wales, while Denmark beat Iceland. And in A4, Italy uh, lost 1-0 to Spain, while Sweden beat Switzerland by the same scoreline. So let's focus on Spain, Jenna, first of all, in Group A4. It was a very last-minute winner in the end against Italy and scored in the end by none other than Jenny Hermoso in the 89th minute. Spain sit top of their group. They're ahead of Sweden, Italy, and then Switzerland. And, of course, she'd only just returned to the Spain camp for the first time since Luis Rubiales kissed her on the lips after the World Cup final. It's been a really difficult few months for her. She's come out and said how you know hard it's been to have the attention focused fully on her like that, but brilliant to see her back and making a real impact for her country. Yeah, I mean, what a way to sign your return to your national team. I think she's had a horrific summer, really. After what should have been one of the highlights of her career, it was quickly turned into one of the worst probably one of the worst moments. And I don't think you could ever prepare a player for that. Um, she's gone off back to to play a cub football and obviously missed out on the early stages of the Nations League. And I think she's back where she belongs and rightly so and clinched the win for her team. But, I mean, it's great to see her back. I think it's a massive two fingers up to people who have upset her. And, yeah, I think it's only right. She deserves to be back there. Yep, she certainly does. And... uh Today, we found out as well that FIFA have decided to ban Luis Rubiales from all football-related activities for three years uh, following that non-consensual kiss. You'll remember, of course, the former Spanish Football Federation president uh, acted incredibly inappropriately at that World Cup final against England. All the furore after it as well. And uh, he's now said he intends to appeal against the three-year ban. It's for breaching Article 13 of FIFA's disciplinary code after Hermoso filed a legal complaint against him. I mean, it's a significant decision. I can't believe he's trying to appeal it, if I'm honest, except I can at the yeah. same time. Is he likely to be successful? Um, what do you make of the decision to give him three years specifically? I think I think it's a big, big decision, a big call, and I think it's rightly deserved. I don't think he should be anywhere near the game uh, for the foreseeable future. And like, like you, I'm not surprised that he's going to try and... <laughs> try and plead again that he's innocent because I think that's just the type of man he is. But I think three years, I think that's a, hopefully it sends out a really strong message to any, anybody else in and in the game or, you know, that there are consequences now. And and that's down to the Spanish players um, standing strong, having to step away from the sport they love um, to use their platform to to get the right decisions. And I think they need a lot of praise for what they've done. I think they've been really brave um, and haven't been listened to for a number of years. So I think what they've done is is really a positive thing and they've got the outcome that they deserve. And 
he deserves to be banned from football. Yeah, absolutely right. Right, let's get back to the football. Meanwhile, in Group A3, it's not the favourites Germany who topped the group. It's actually Denmark. And after making it to the Euro finals before losing to the Lionesses, Germany didn't even make it out of the group stages at the World Cup. And their opening loss to Denmark could now cost them a place in the Nations League semi-finals if they can't turn things around. Jenna, what's going wrong for them? I think they've never really recovered from the defeat in against England in the Euros. I think World Cup, we didn't see the best of them at all. I think given the team they've got, they've got a lot of experienced players still in that team and you expect them to be doing a lot better. So something isn't clicking within that squad at the minute. Still got a chance to get out of the group, but looking at it, it does look like there's a big chance that they might not actually make the Olympics. Um, I don't know whether it's time for a bit of change there, a bit more youth coming through the system, um, but something's not not looking right for them and it hasn't since that that final I think the Euros we probably saw the best of them um, and then since then they've kind of gone downhill yeah I agree uh, what's not surprising though is in Group A2 France look like they're going to be comfortable winners uh, they're in a group with Austria Portugal and Norway which seems to be giving them very little trouble at the moment so at this stage Spain France and Denmark are all top of their groups with nine points looking like they could be the other semi-finalists. If England were to top their group, which is still a massive if, it's so tight in that Group A1, uh, they'd be in the semi-finals against one of them. Um, what would you make of a semi-final match against any of those teams if England were doing it? And it feels as if I'm jinxing it by even speaking this far forward. Either, either opponent is going to be a really tough um, semi-final. I think you're looking at the groups, they're all so tight. And I think, it could it could be any of them. And to be honest, I think the way England are playing, they're starting to find their mojo, but they're still not at their best either. And I think that that goes for a lot of the nations at the minute. But yeah, I think either anyone that they meet are going to be a really difficult opposition. Yeah, it would then be the winner of the final who secures Olympic qualification, unless that winner is France. Of course, they have automatic qualification as the host, so then we'd get a Brucey bonus uh, team getting to go. Um, so the other finest team would also qualify, as I say. I mean, it's a real chance, isn't it, that we might not see Team GB, a team made up of so many European champions and World Cup runners-up, even at the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, just looking at all the tables now, it is so, so tight and it could go either way. I think looking at the England group, it's a strong possibility that they might not actually make it. But I don't know if it would be the end of the world if they didn't. I just think the players have been at it since the return of COVID with the uh, domestic season, then World Cup, Euros, Olympics and I don't know if the break would do them a world of good, to be honest. Um, but yeah, looking at it, it could go anyway. And they may, we may have to start looking ahead for a, a summer without football. Sure. Missing out on a goal, potential of winning a gold medal, though, when you would <laughs> think, bearing in mind what they did in the World Cup, this is a prime opportunity for them to do it. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, of course. But I think if you're looking at, the the injuries, the loading of these players that they've had over the last three years and, and three summers just packed with football. I think if you were to give any competition up, it might be the Olympics, I don't know, over the Euros and, and the World Cup. Okay, okay. There'll, there'll be some people who disagree with you on that, <laughs> others who are fully with you. I'm on the fence because I love splinters. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Flimsy stands slowing you down? Well, it's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable North American-made tablet stands and kiosks. We're so confident, we offer a lifetime warranty. So, elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. That's A-R-M. O-D-I-L-O dot com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo, built to last, designed to impress. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. England may have beaten Belgium 1-0 in their home leg fixture, but the Lionesses will face Belgium again in the Dendreef Stadium in Leuven. We checked in with Drew Diamond from her football hub in view from the stands to find out what he's been covering over the international break. Yeah, so we've heavily focused on Scotland on this break. We just thought it was an interesting fixture. Um, the Netherlands have been looking really strong and Scotland without a few key players, we were interested to see how they reacted to that and uh, what a game it was. Yeah, and they didn't react particularly well. Four, four goals down, which means they're rock bottom of uh, the same Nations League group that England are in. They're really struggling. What did you make of their performance? Yeah, I mean, it was it was very scrappy, wasn't it? Um, dominated by the Netherlands. I mean, 4-0 is a scoreline that no one wants to, you know, deal with next. And and yeah, Daniel van der Donk getting the early goal, I think it was 12 minutes, something like that, which... Um, Pedro Losa, probably nightmare for him. I mean, he signed Van der Donk back when he was at Arsenal. So he knows her as a player very well. And and she showed exactly what she could do. And then they just, they kept capitalising. And yeah, Scotland didn't really get in it. Hi, Drew. Hello. Hello. Um, Scotland are really missing Caroline Weir at the minute, aren't they? They are. She's such a huge player, you know. Any player that gets 100 caps for the nation, obviously the team at some point has been built around them. Um, I mean, we say the same for Lisa Evans now. We've got a 100th cap in that game. But Caroline Weir is is a whole different ball game. Um, she is an absolute Rolls-Royce of a player and a, a nation like Scotland absolutely needs her available as often as possible. And you can absolutely tell that the creativity and, and you know everything she brings to a football match was entirely missing from, from this performance. What do you think Pedro Losa is going to take from this Nations League uh, tournament? Because, you know, they're clearly not going to be able to, um, to to qualify for the semi-finals. But how is he going to use it in terms of Scotland's progression? Yeah, I mean, they've obviously started looking at selections. So Sandy McIver is someone that's come into their, 
you know, selection process now. He's obviously looking at different avenues. Someone they've brought in recently in a similar vein was Amy Rogers, who's performed brilliantly. Another person who's come up through the championship and is now doing big things on international stage. She is a fantastic player. And I think they just need to keep thinking outwardly like that. I mean, there's a lot of talent out there. And when they have players like Cuthbert, Kerr and we are back, um, you know, it's an entirely different Scotland team. And hopefully they can just use these games now to, to blood in a couple new players and, and see where that leads them. But you know, I've every faith that Pedro is, is the man that to turn it around for Scotland. He's a very experienced manager. Intrigued to know your thoughts on a conversation that Jenna and I briefly touched on um, earlier on in the show after Mary Earp's comments regarding, you know, some of the fans who who wanted players to get off the bus and were chanting that at the last uh, England game before they went to Leicester. They were absolutely packed waiting for the players, wanting signatures. Jenna was saying that a game she was at the other week, you know, there were 3,000 waiting uh, to speak to the players afterwards. And, you know, Mary Earps and other players have all come out and said, look, we'd love to be able to sign every single fan's shirt and and autograph every every programme there is, but we just can't physically do it. How do they get that across to the fans so the fans don't feel like they're being snubbed? Yeah, I mean, I think the word she used was we'll fall short. Um, and I think, as you say, she was talking about these expectations and it's something women's football is, is unique in the way that the players are so much more accessible than the men's football. And and that that is a beautiful thing about the game, but it is absolutely not a right. Um, and as the profile of the game grows and it, it, as it is now where it's legitimate global sport on a massive level, the access is just not going to be there. And I think it's brave of people like Mary to step forward as themselves. But I think the federations, the FAs, and maybe the managers could take those conversations so the players don't have to. And the people with the with the responsibility around these federations could maybe take the lead and, and manage the expectations of the fans. Because, you know, it, it can be disappointing if you think that's going to happen. And it's always happened. Um, but it's just not attainable anymore to do it at that level. Yeah. Are you hearing reasonable, you know, understanding from the fans that you're talking to? I think mostly, yeah. Um, it's just, I think the players are most scared of disappointing those younger fans, um, you know, and they put effort into making the signs, but it's just not possible. Um, and it, we, I think, yeah, like the federations and the managers should be putting that message out there so that the parents or the friends or the relative of the guardians can can talk to these kids and say, oh, yeah, of course we can make a sign, but it 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 might not mean anything, you know, maybe we should make a sign about support instead. And I've seen some great ones, especially from the Australia game um, recently. They, they had some great signs and none of them were asking for shirts. They're all just really cool messages of support. And I think that's definitely the route to go down. Yeah, it's just a bit of a transition period, I think, isn't it? And then everybody will start to get into into a new rhythm with things. Drew, it's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. No, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the show. Now, after a riveting season of football, the winner of the 2023 Women's Ballon d'Or Award was announced as Aitana Bonmati. No surprise there. Jenna discussed what made her the obvious winner. Oh, she's just a phenomenal player, isn't she? I think in terms of midfield players, she has absolutely everything and all the ingredients of a, a world-class player. I think, you know, she's she's decisive, she's elegant on the ball, her control in really, really tight spaces and ability to get out of tight presses and just her footwork is phenomenal to watch. Um, anywhere in the area, she's an absolute danger. Goals, assists. And I actually think the injury of Pateus last year may have actually excelled her 
development last season because I think she had to take a lot more responsibility, especially in that Barcelona midfield, uh, to make up for the loss of Puteas. And I think it's actually benefited her hugely. Um, At the World Cup, she was by far the standout player. Um, Just think she's magic when she's got the ball at her feet. She's just a really good player to watch. And she's one of those players that have grown up watching players like Xavi, Hernandez, you know, Spanish midfielders. And you can tell that by the minute she's got her, the ball at her feet, she plays exactly the same way and a, a real pleasure to watch. And you mentioned everything she's won this season. It's crazy and, yeah, thoroughly deserved. All four of England's nominees, Mary Earps, Millie Bright, Rachel Daly and Georgia Stanway, had to miss the ceremony because they were in Belgium preparing for their Nations League match in Leuven. I spoke to Jenna about how disappointing it was that the organisers didn't take this into account when scheduling. It's one of the greatest accolades any footballer could have to be nominated. And and the fact that the decision's taken out of their hands, um, it, it does feel like they're not even being thought about, really. I understand that scheduling-wise, it would be an absolute nightmare to find a date where every footballer could attend, given the the heavy schedules. But I think I'm sure if a couple of people sat down and you know spent a bit of time, they could find a way that the majority of players nominated could be there and not plan it during an international break when some of the nom- nominees are. It's impossible for them to make it, and you know what what should be a really great occasion for these players they're not they're not getting to attend and it is it could be once in a lifetime I think concerns were raised many years ago about this and still nothing's happened it still feels like the women's side is is a bit of an afterthought unfortunately yeah it always feels like that and actually Georgia Stanway kind of talked about joined up thinking being important Mm -hmm. and Serena Wiegmann mentioning that actually in the future because there is still just the one award which is quite incredible when you look at the growth of women's football over the past few years that has to change surely um she's hoping it will do in the future but it it just seems like another example of the authorities failing to prioritize female athletes yeah and you know when you compare the one award to the the amount of awards that are handed out on the evening it is it is a a bit embarrassing, really, that we're sit, sat here talking about this in 2023 when these concerns were raised years ago. And it, it does feel like they're not taken seriously. Um, nobody's really sat down and bothered to, to look at the schedules. And like I think you just said there, just sit down, join join brains, and I'm sure you can come up with a day where everyone can attend. I think, of course, all those players will want to be there, but First and foremost, their priority is international duty and representing their country. And, you know, most players nominated do represent their country. So it's not it's not rocket science, is it? Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget you can listen back to the full Talk Sport Women's Football Show via the Talk Sport app. This week we were on on Monday at 10pm, so just swipe for Talk Sport 2, find Monday, and you can listen in full then. We'll be back next Monday as the WSL returns and the title race gets back underway. Flimsy staying slowing you down? Well, it's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable, North American-made tablet stands and kiosks. We're so confident, we offer a lifetime warranty. So, elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. That's A-R-M-O-D-I-L-O.com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo. Built to last. Designed to impress.